0: Affluent Society, 1951-1964 Politics, Conservative Reasons for Dominance The 1951 election was won by the Tories under the leadership of Churchill, defeating Attlee. The final result was close. Labour won more votes, however, due to the -the first-past-the-post system, the Conservatives won more seats. The new Conservative government decided to leave many of the policies implemented under the Attlee government, which became known as the Post-War Consensus. In 1953, the conservative majority was increased from 17 to 60, and in 1959, it increased again to 100. The strength of the conservative leaders was seen as a driving factor for these results. Churchill had a high reputation due to his wartime leadership. He was an international statesman and chose abled ministers, including Eden, Butler, and Macmillan. However, he was uninterested in domestic affairs, and his age was seen as a weakness. Under Churchill, Macmillan fulfilled the conservative pledge to build 300,000 houses a year by 1953. Steel, iron and transport were denationalized in 1953. This went along with a willing attitude to the trade unions. Eden was a foreign policy expert when he became the prime minister. He was experienced as he acted as Churchill's deputy when he was out of the country, popular with the populace. Eden was inexperienced in domestic affairs and could be described as a weak leader due to his indecisiveness at times. He also suffered from ill health. Eden oversaw an implementation of government regulation, including the Clean Air Act 1956, which allowed local authorities to control emissions. Macmillan had a good reputation from his successes as housing minister. He was good on TV and created a reassuring presence. He was the first self-proclaimed one-nation conservative supportive of the post-war consensus. Towards the end of his premiership, he became seen as old-fashioned and suffered from ill health. Macmillan oversaw the introduction of the Homicide Act 1957, which separated murder from manslaughter, and the Wolfenden Report 1957, which recommended the decriminalization of homosexuality. Rob Butler was a one-nation Tory supportive of the post-war consensus experienced holding a series of high-ranking ministries responsible for influential policies such as the tripartite education system, called by some the best prime minister we never had. However, he was quite a divisive figure and unpopular with some colleagues. Alec Douglas home was a a unifying leader in comparison to figures such as Butler. However, he was not re elected as leader of the party, but rather chosen by Macmillan. Douglas Home was a member of the aristocracy and therefore seen as out-of-touch. Politics Internal Labour Divisions Another reason for conservative dominance in this time period were the internal divisions within the Labour Party. Between Bevan and Gateskill, Gateskill defeated Bevan in a 1955 leadership contest, but he still faced opposition from the left of the party. Prescription charges were divisive because the left wanted the NHS to be free at the point of delivery, while the right reasoned that it was necessary to introduce charges to respond to the financial pressures. This was the first main division in the party as it broke out towards the end of the Altly administration. Clause 4, which committed Labour to nationalisation, was disputed because the left was wholly supportive of it, while the right saw it as only one possible policy were appropriate. Gateskill tried to amend at the 1959 conference, but backed down after a wave of opposition from the left. Nuclear weapons were divisive as the left wanted unilateral disarmament, with many of the MPs supporting CND, while the right was against it. A motion to commit to disarmament was passed at the 1960 Labour conference, however this was reversed a year later at the 1961 conference. Politics Reasons for conservatives fall from power. Labour won the 1964 election with a majority of four. This is because the Conservatives looked out of touch regarding social change such as the youth culture, immigration and social mobility. Douglas Home was an unelected member of the aristocracy, and this was an easy target of satire such as the Private Eye magazine. By 1964, Bevan and Gates Hill had died, and Harold Wilson was elected as the leader. He was seen as a unifying candidate. Conservative failures in the economy were growing, such as the stop-go economics, the balance of payments deficit and rising inflation. The 1961 EEC application was vetoed by Charles de Gaulle and Macmillan's leadership seemed more negative after the Night of the Long Knives. Scandals such as the Perfumo affair or the spy scandals involving Blake and Vessel made national headlines putting the Tories in a negative light. Economics, the post-war boom. After the Second World War, the world economy grew as countries started to recover. Food rationing came to an end in 1954 and full employment was achieved in 1955. This led to increases in wages and also tax cuts. This allowed people to buy more consumer goods, encouraging greater investment and even more growth. The rising living standards in return encouraged a growth in birth rates. However, this economic growth in Britain was slow compared to its European counterparts as every other major European country experienced a bigger increase in industrial production by 1959. The economics, balance of payments and stop-go. There was a danger that the increased consumer demand would lead britain to import more than it exported resulting in a balance of payments problem and causing a run on the pounds the second danger was that the economy would grow faster than productivity which would lead to inflation as demand outstripped supply to counter this the conservatives used stop go economics when the economy slowed down too much they would lower interest rates and allow wages to grow When the economy began to overheat, they would raise interest rates and introduce wage freezes. After the Suez Crisis of 1956, some in the party such as Peter Fornicroft and Enoch Powell argued that the government ought to control the money supply instead of the demand. To do this, spending cuts to welfare and public services would be required. As this would have been unpopular with the electorate, Macmillan did not support it. Sterling recovered against the dollar after the Suez Crisis without implementing monetarism, and the government was able to make big tax cuts in 1959. The economy grew at its fastest rate between 1960 and 1964. It became increasingly difficult to tame stop-go policies. In 1961, the government applied for an IMF loan and was forced to introduce a public pay pause. Then Eddie was set up in 1961 to plan economic growth, and Niki was set up in 1962 to manage wages and prices. In 1961, the government rethought its attitude towards Europe and applied to the EEC. They were denied in 1963 after a veto from Charles de Gaulle. Public expenditure was cut. One of the biggest victims was the railway network after the Beecham report of 1963. By the 1964 election, there was an £800 million deficit. Society, rising living standards. The increase in productivity and full employment led to higher wages. Men's average weekly wage nearly doubled from £8.30 in 1951 to £15.35 in 1961. Access to credit through higher purchase enables more people to access consumer goods such as fridges, washing machines, kitchen appliances, cars and new furniture. Housing improvements resulted in many of the slums being cleared and replaced with new towns such as Harlow in Essex and Kirkby in Liverpool. This was thanks to Macmillan's housing plan. State subsidies to farming kept food prices low and food rationing ended in 1954. Society, the impact of affluence and consumerism. More people were able to buy household goods such as washing machines, TVs and fridges. This meant that women's lives were made easier due to new kitchen appliances, watching television became a leisure activity and advertising became more prevalent especially after ITV was created in 1955. The broadcasted television programs reflecting growing affluence in the consumerism. This was noticeable by the increase in DIY programs and gardening due to the high viewership. Affluence also led to a car ownership boom, which rose by twenty five percent in two years between nineteen fifty seven and nineteen fifty nine. This encouraged the government to invest into infrastructure including the building of motorways which began in nineteen fifty eight with the Preston bypass. Access to cars increased prosperity and opened up new leisure and holiday opportunities, with holiday camps becoming extremely popular in the 50s. On average, 60,000 people holidayed each week at Butlin. Society, class and the establishment There was a noticeable deference in this time period. This was driven by a decreasing trust in politicians after the lies behind the Suez Crisis were made public. Debates over issues such as nuclear disarmament encouraged challenges to established ideas. The behaviour of members of the establishment, e.g. the perfumer affair, has tainted their reputation. The satire boom, including the private eye magazine and that was the week that was, lampooned leading figures in society. The angry young men used their writings of plays and books to attack established attitudes and sought to more accurately portray contemporary life. Society, the position of women. After World War II, many of the women returned to traditional homemaker roles during the 50s. 75% of women were married and the average age of marriage was 21. The lives tended to be dominated by cooking, cleaning and looking after children. Household appliances became more common. In two years between 1957 and 1959, the number of households with washing machines rose by 54% and fridges by 58%, which allowed tasks to be performed quicker. Women were deterred from working, especially when they got married and certainly after they had children. It was believed that working mothers would be detrimental to the development of their children. The government encouraged mothers to stay at home with the payment of the family allowance for any children after their first. Trade unions also discouraged women from working as they feared this would increase the manpower and bring down wages for men. Some middle class women benefited from equal pay being introduced for teachers in 1952 and civil servants in 1954. Society, Attitudes to Immigration and Racial Violence The booming economy encouraged greater levels of immigration. There were job shortages and people living in the new Commonwealth were encouraged to move to Britain. By 1958, approximately 21,000 Commonwealth immigrants had settled in Britain. 75% of these were men working to support their family back in their home country. In the 60s, approximately 1.25 million people came to live in Britain. Brits emigrating abroad to North America and Australia stood at 1.32 million in the 50s, and went up to 1.92 million in the 60s. By 1958, there were race riots reported in Nottingham. The same year, the Notting Hill riots broke out in London. In response to this, the government passed the Commonwealth Immigration Act 1962, which limited the number of immigrants allowed to come into Britain. Society, the emergence of the youth culture. Youth culture became more visible and the teenager emerged as a direct entity. This happened because the booming economy and rising wages allowed young people to have disposable income for themselves. Advertising and the growth of consumerism recognized this new market and helped to create the teenage image. Technological changes such as the transistor radio made it easier for a separate culture to develop. The end of national service in 1960 gave young men more freedom. Labor-saving devices at home gave young women more freedom. The baby boom gave this generation a bigger influence. In the early 50s, the Teddy Boys emerged. Their noticeable signs were long coats and narrow trousers. Fears linked them to rising crime rights. In the late 50s, they split off into mods and rockers. Mods wore smart suits while the rockers wore leather clothes and rode heavy motorcycles. The competition between these two led to riots in certain cities and towns, which fueled a national moral panic in the media. Foreign Policy, EFTA and Attempts to Join the EEC Following the Second World War, many politicians in mainland Europe were keen to create closer ties. Although Britain supported the ideas behind the EEC, it did not want to become a part of it. This was because it was not a popular idea with leading politicians. Britain wanted to sustain its special relationship with the USA. Britain still felt like a world power. The right preferred to maintain closer ties with the Commonwealth, while the left felt like the EEC would be a capitalist club. However, this attitude changed very quickly, and the EFTA was created in 1959, and in 1961, Britain applied to the EEC. The attitude changed because Britain's growth was slower and its productivity was weaker than members of the EEC. The Suez Crisis demonstrated Britain's more limited strength in the world and its reliance on the USA. Ongoing financial concerns meant that Britain was not going to continue dominating world affairs. Retreat from the empire showed a shift in Britain's role in the world, The USA saw Britain's entry into the E.C. as a useful way to ensure USSR resistance. The application was rejected in 1963 when Charles de Gaulle vetoed it. He feared Britain's entry would lessen French influence and that Britain wouldn't allow too much of America's influence. Foreign Policy Relations with and policies towards the USA and the USSR Both Britain and USA feared the spread of communism and worked together to prevent it. Macmillan formed close relationships with both U.S. presidents Eisenhower and Kennedy. Key examples of cooperation include the formation of NATO in 1949, the Korean War 1950-1953, and the 1961 Cuban Missile Crisis. This was not without tensions as the U.S. government would not support Britain's actions during Suez. The Burgess and Maclean spy scandal in 1951 and fears about a possible third man made the U.S.A. cautious about sharing intelligence with Britain. Foreign policy. Debates over the nuclear deterrent. The Conservative government continued the policy of creating a British independent nuclear deterrent. This was considered crucial if Britain was to maintain its status. However, this started to be questioned both for financial and moral reasons. In 1952, Britain tested its first atomic bomb, and in 1957 its first hydrogen bomb. In 1958, the Mutual Defense Agreement was signed, which began the sharing of nuclear technology with the US. The same year, the CND was created and the first Aldermaston march happened. A year later, in 1959, the second, bigger, Aldermaston march happened. In 1960, the Labour Party conference supported a resolution for unilateral nuclear disarmament. Also in 1960, Britain abandoned its Blue Streak project and became reliant on the US Polaris missiles. Foreign Policy, the Korean War, 1950-1953 The Communist North invaded the South, which prompted the United Nations to send forces in response. Britain supplied 90,000 of these and was the biggest contributor after the US. Foreign Policy Suez, 1956 In 1956, Colonel Nasser announced the nationalization of the canal after the USA had pulled funding. Britain was concerned that this would impact its trade routes considerably. Eden secretly planned an invasion with France and Israel to return the canal to British control. On the 29th of October 1956, Israel invaded Egypt and on the 5th of November, British and French troops were sent to Egypt. The Labour Party opposed the attack and protests were held across the country. It was also internationally condemned, including the US. The USA put Britain under financial pressure and Chancellor Macmillan warned Eden that Britain could not withstand this due to the loans that were being provided by the US. A year later, Eden resigned, citing ill health. This failed attempt at projecting power, challenged Britain's reputation as a force for good and also demonstrated the need for support from the US. It highlighted Britain's weak economic and financial position and threw doubt on Britain's status as a world power. Foreign policy, the winds of change. Decolonization had begun in 1947 when India became independent but it sped up in the 50s. It happened because of independence movements such as the Mau Mau rebellion in Kenya and other movements in Malaya and Cyprus. International pressure from the US favoured decolonisation. This was combined with financial concerns about whether Britain could afford to maintain an empire, especially after the impact of Suez. In 1960, Macmillan made his famous Winds of Change speech to the South African Parliament in Cape Town, which acknowledged the need for decolonisation. This signalled a shift in foreign policy from the empire days. In 1947, independence was granted to India. In 1957, to Ghana. In 1960, to Nigeria and Cyprus. In 1961, South Africa left the Commonwealth.